I have to confess, the uh, last time I preached was during COVID, and nobody was here. <laughs> and so it's so good to be with you, live and in person. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Tom Peterson. My wife, Jean, and I have been a part of the church for a number of years. I serve as a chaplain in a senior community called Windsor Park, which a number of our people here reside and am like uh, Pastor Nate, an ordained covenant pastor, have served churches in Minnesota, and uh, so I wanted to start by saying thank you. Thank you to so many who have been so kind and generous in the past six months during this season of Dean's cancer. It has been uh, a blessing to us. We love you and we're so grateful for the body of Christ. I also stand here humbled again by the opportunity to proclaim the word and the words of our God who has spoken to us as he has to his people for hundreds of years. And I think the challenge today is can I actually hear God speak through all the noise that surrounds me, through all the stuff that we hear every day. Will I allow God to capture my attention for, a few, for these few moments while I may be thinking about football Okay, Bears and Vikings, or Steelers and Bills, or other things that I have on my agenda for today. When Pastor Nate called me and said, can you preach today? And I said, so what, do you, what are we preaching on? He said, stewardship. And what immediately I thought of the generosity of so many people who have given freely to repurpose this building into a new decade and a new generation of ministry that God wants to lead us into. Yes, stewardship is our topic as we consider being fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that there are people who say, oh, great, another ask. Friends, this is not 
the Sermon on the Amount. <laughs> because stewardship is so much greater than our limited perspective. So what I want to suggest as we look at the screen is growing in our stewardship is a lifelong process. When you or I respond to the good news of God entering into our world in Jesus Christ, his living, his dying, being raised from death and making him known through the Holy Spirit, guess what? It's just the beginning. It's the beginning of this journey of life in stewardship. Now I can tell you for living for more than 68 years and being married to Jean for more than 40 years that we have learned a lot about being stewards of what God has given us. Sometimes good, sometimes difficult. And the reality is there's so much more to learn about giving and being generous with what God has given to us. Now, I don't want to give you the idea that if you watch the screen, you have five easy steps to stewardship because it doesn't work that way. Stewardship is a lifelong process. And so as we consider that, I want to suggest that we grow in our stewardship as we see all that we are and have as God's gifts to us. Isn't it wondrous to know that God knew you and I before time and space came into being and created each one of us for his glory and for his pleasure. He longs to have relationship with us. Imagine being created out of nothing. And he said, you are good. God has made us, and quite frankly, put his fingerprints all over us, hasn't he? He's blessed us. He's loved us, each of us, with a love that we can't even begin to comprehend. And to know that my name is written on the palm of his hand. Now, I don't know how God does that. He's either got a really big hand or he's got a lot of hands. But to know 
that he is intimately interested in your life and mine. As Rita read the scripture, I was reminded that uh, it said we can't take it with us. When we come into the world, we are all exactly the same. When we leave this world, we are all exactly the same. Reminding us of those words of Job, who said, naked I came into this world, and naked I go out of this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. On Thursday morning, I had an opportunity to meet with a couple to talk about their uh, memorial service plans at Windsor Park. And I didn't know this about them, but they lost a daughter at age 16 to cancer. And Alice said, you know, the verse that was our verse for that year was this very verse. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and he takes. But he not only has made us, but has given us unnumberable gifts and blessings. Not just to some, but for all of us. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights. The people of God through the ages give witness to that reality, that God is good, and he has given us amazing gifts. I started thinking about that in the over uh, 60, almost 60 years of the life of this congregation. And the many people and the variety of wonderful gifts God has given to Faith Covenant Church. Of being God's lighthouse of ministry here on Butterfield and Lakeview. To people of all ages, to people of all cultural backgrounds. Friends, I put it this way, we have been blessed to be a blessing to others. That's a marvelous thought, isn't it? That God continues to pour his blessing into our lives so that the Holy Spirit can pour them out into the lives of other people. So now, we continue to grow in our stewardship when we know it's for all of life. 
It's what we call whole life stewardship. Whole life stewardship, we often kind of put it in the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. But it's more than that, isn't it? Stewardship that uh, is part of who we are physically and how we care for ourselves. It's our emotional well-being, our mental health, our spiritual well-being, how we relate to each other socially in relationships, how we care for the world that we live in, and even our financial stewardship. It's so much more than just thinking about money, isn't it? It's a big whole life stewardship. The stewardship of time is interesting because every one of us has the same amount of time every week. There's 168 hours in a week. And I didn't figure the minutes or the seconds. But we all get the same. And it's how we manage that time. How we live that time out. By not being captivated all the time by the tyranny of the urgent But there are times that we really need to use the discipline of time to do the things that we can each day. Being a steward of time, being a steward of talent, which is not only what we are naturally gifted at, but our the gifts that God has given us through his Holy Spirit. How do we discover those gifts? How do we use those gifts to build up the body of Christ? That's what the gifts are for. That we encourage each other and strengthen each other. And in the process, we bring glory to God. But what about our financial resources? A few years ago, I heard this statement that I thought was really profound, and that is, God does not expect equal gifts from his people, but equal sacrifice according to the gifts that we have. Let me repeat that. God does not expect equal gifts because then we get into a comparison game, right? He expects equal sacrifice of what he has given to us. 
Now, as we were talking this week, Jean reminded me of a time in her life that uh, was so critical in her learning stewardship. In the church that she grew up in, and I was a youth pastor there, they were strong in supporting missions, and they had what they called faith promise missions. And so people would, by faith, promise to give towards various mission, missionaries and mission groups. Some of you may get an allowance. Jean said her allowance was 25 cents a week. That's a couple years ago. <laughs> and she filled out the faith promise card and she wanted it to be right. She filled it out three times to be able to give $12 a year towards faith promise missions. And the highlight was being able to walk up and put it in the basket with everybody else. It's a teachable moment, isn't it? A learning time. I had a conversation with my son Kyle yesterday who has found a family app that's up here called Rooster Money. I don't know how spiritual it is. But it's an app that can help you with categories, with allowance, with spending and saving and giving, keeping track of the things or, or the... the uh, areas of money that they give to their three boys. They keep track of that on rooster money. I'm sure there are other similar applications like that, but that's just one example of uh, how families can learn together this process of giving generously. And so I uh, also want to highlight what I think is the most overused and out-of-context verse in the Bible. That the love of money is the root of all evil. Ever heard that one? Take a look at that verse again. Because it says the love of money is a root of many kinds of evil. Now we know roots feed in to who we are. And how we uh, live our lives. And maybe you heard a few years ago, 
I don't remember how long. There was a pastor in New York City by the name of Reverend Ike who said that the lack of money is the root of all evil. And pre-COVID, when we used to use offering plates, Pastor Ike would say, I don't want to hear the clinking of coins. I just want to hear the rustling of bills. <laughs> Out of context? Yeah, I think so. So as we look at these verses, we also now move on to say we grow in our stewardship as we view it in the life light of godliness and contentment. Now Paul had been writing to his son in the faith, the pastor Timothy, and there had been, uh, this probably would have been the time Paul was in prison, there was a lot of false teaching going on. And he's talking to Timothy about those who use finances for their spiritual gain or, or their own personal gain. It is. Godliness is not a means to financial gain. Because we get caught up in believing that things are more financially profitable and lose interest in godliness itself. And so Paul has challenged Timothy to make Godliness, his focus in life. I don't know if I'm dating myself, but one of my references was Charles Swindoll. I think he's still preaching. But he says this, ironically, genuine godliness... And he uses that word a number of times in this letter. Does lead to great gain. Paul doesn't talk about financial profit. But he doesn't exclude it either. He is highlighting the essential quality of contentment. One uh, dictionary says that this Greek term is a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. One scholar said true contentment depends not upon what we have because a tub was large enough for Diogenes but a world was too little for Alexander. The issue with contentment and godliness is our attitude. 
not the circumstances surrounding them. It's interesting that Paul literally uses these words with opposite meaning for those who would read, those who he was speaking to, that even great gain meant spiritual gain with contentment. Paul echoes what he said, that godliness has value for all things and brings blessing for both this life and the next. With his play on words, one version says this, they think religion should yield dividends. And of course religion does yield high dividends, but only to those who are content with what they have. The idea of contentment was used by the Stoics of the day as a self-sufficiently, sufficiency, excuse me, which was altogether independent of circumstances. As we read here, the Apostle Paul points us to the fact that Christian contentment does not depend on external things. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4, the Apostle says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, wasn't the Stoic idea, but it was Christ himself where he would later say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So genuine contentment is not self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency. Friends, a question for your own consideration is this. What does contentment look like for me? How am I experiencing a sense of contentment? Well, We continue to grow in our stewardship as we view it in the, oh, I'm sorry. We grow in our stewardship in our single-minded devotion to our God. Paul uses a title of honor for Timothy here. An Old Testament term reserved for leaders of Israel, Moses, Samuel, David, Elijah, Elisha, and other prophets. But 
there's only one use in the New Testament. The man of God appears to be any mature Christian who becomes thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that applies to every one of us. Timothy is deliberately contrasted with the false teachers, those who were conceited and quarrelsome and covetous, being more men of the world than of God. And now, Paul calls Timothy to be radically different from them. He says, at the same time, Timothy, you must flee from all these things, the love of money, and pursue godliness. These qualities, character qualities, of righteousness and godliness, of faith and love, of endurance and gentleness. And those last two were talking about patience with difficult people and difficult times. To flee from evil, but to pursue godliness. We hear it in different ways in the New Testament. To deny ourselves and to follow Jesus. To say no to ungodliness and yes to godliness and self-control. To take off the old clothes which belong to our previous life and put on the new which belongs to our new life. And here to run away from evil and after goodness. As we continue, we look at this and we say we grow in our stewardship as we live for opportunities to build the kingdom of God. Friends, Paul is saying here, money is currency. It's what we live with. And it in itself is not evil. And not all people allow money to corrupt them. But there still is that potential. Paul says... To those who are wealthy, don't be conceited. Be humble. Work hard, knowing, well, it's not always going to work out exactly the way you want. But secondly, he says, don't fix your hope on the uncertainty. Of riches. 
I've been there, maybe you've been there, when you've been out of money. And life feels very insecure, doesn't it? But when we have a, a good cushion financially, we also feel more secure. And so Paul is saying money can't be our security blanket, but it can be the means of God's provision and protection. But can I underline, but it is only a means. God is our safety, our security, our strength. But he also offers two very positive commands here. He says, be rich in good works. And he had in his mind the same imagery that Jesus used in his sermons. Matthew Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share. After all, friends, we live in one of the richest areas of the world. We can afford it. We have God as our advocate. And so how... The question becomes, do we grow in our generosity? One way that we do that is we look at stewardship as investment. That we have an investment opportunity to build God's kingdom. An example of that is the event that's happening next Saturday. That we as a, as a body can do packing of food and share that together. A little boy had heard his pastor's sermon and they were ready to receive the offering they had passed the plate and he asked the usher to put the plate on the floor the usher looked puzzled and he said well the pastor asked me to give everything to God and I am giving me Friends, that is our response to God. And as we close, 
There's one more question for us to consider, the discipleship question of the week. In this season of your life, how can you be stewarding all God has given to you? So let's recap. Life, it's a lifelong process. All that we have is God's gift. And it is meant for all of our life, our time, our talent, our treasure. We see it in light of godliness and contentment as we view, as we move towards single-minded devotion and look for opportunities to build his kingdom.